talking public art with us louise and laura from francis knight public art consultancy conversations with a range of arts practitioners community activists planning directors and design teams about how we can make places better by working with artists our role as public art consultants is all about the delicate balance of client expectations to encourage new ways of seeing, developing relationships, connecting people and enabling the creative process. Today we meet Mark Osborne. Mark Osborne has worked in the property industry for over 30 years, accumulating a wide-ranging knowledge and experience. He began in local government, working for nine years in the planning departments of local authorities. He then moved to a private planning consultancy which led on to a role with a small-scale house builder dealing with land acquisition and planning. After the financial crash, he began working in a development role for a major national house builder, delivering larger strategic projects, which was where he first got involved with commissioning public art. Despite having roots in the hard-headed world of planning and development, he has always had a fascination with art and design and believes that a landscape-led development is usually a more successful one. For him, public art should not be designed by committee and should always be thought-provoking. More recently, Mark has moved back into local government, leading the housing development and enabling team at Gravesham Borough Council. Welcome, Mark Osborne. Welcome to Talking Public Art Series 2, Mark. Um, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, we just kind of wanted to have a conversation with you from... Um, sort of a more a commercial point of view, perhaps. But just to say that, obviously, we started working with you um, with Countryside Properties on a gateway commission yeah. uh, for Ashmere, which is a big settlement, 3,000 homes. Um, and I think when we first started working with you, Mark, it did strike us that you were really interested in public art. For us, that's quite unusual. Because <laughs> normally we're kind of bought in... Um, or because it's a condition of some kind, uh, or it's a tick box of some kind. But you you were genuinely keen and engaged in the process of bringing an artist on board. Um, and then obviously we discovered that's because you've done it yourself before, um, mm-hmm. working in another part of Kent with a, another developer. So, But we're kind of interested in your career, particularly in the public realm. Um, and so working backwards, because we know that you're currently working with Gravesham, Yes. Um, um, but how did, tell, tell us a little bit about your career path and how you are where you are now. Uh, yeah, I started off over 30 years ago now working in local government, um, then for uh, in planning, in the planning department. And I worked in development control for uh, planning departments of two councils for nine years. I then... Uh, moved on and worked in uh, a planning consultancy uh, for another couple of years. And then one of my clients from that consultancy was a house builder, smallish house builder, who approached me about joining them and working directly for them. And uh, so my career took a slightly different turn. I was still doing planning for them, but I was also uh, learning and, and developing land acquisition for them. So um, I did that with them for nearly eight years. Um, and then the crash happened in 2008, nine. Unfortunately, I was redundant for the best part of a year, which was quite a challenging period. But then I, 
I got a new job working in um, for Crest Nicholson, um, and they have a sort of development role, uh, which I guess covers land acquisition, planning, but also more managing uh, the projects for them. And I started in that role and I worked for Crest for uh, six years and then moved to Countryside and I worked for Countryside for uh, another six and a half years doing the same thing. And I tended to, I think probably because of my planning experience, gravitate to working with them on larger strategic projects. Um, and these projects is when I, where I was sort of introduced to public art because obviously it becomes a factor there in that um, planning authorities quite often put um, conditions or obligations through their planning permissions on, on to provide public art. However, in the cases where I have largely been, been promoting and, and putting forward public art on sites, I've done it for other reasons, and it's not because of being forced to through a obligation from the local authority. That's and quite rare, actually, Mark, yeah, to work that um, way. Not I think in the first instance, the first yeah. time I came across it um, was I was developing a site down in Ashford, which was a, a big major greenfield site, uh, which is now developed called Finbury. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, this site had had a, a rather difficult beginning in that uh, it was it was bought at the peak of the market, I guess, and it had to travel through the downturn in 2008-9 onwards. And uh, I picked it up at sort of 2009 and uh, it was looking a rather sick dog and, I, and we <laughs> tried to adapt uh, various parts of it. But... Then when we came to, when we were like starting to think about launching the site, which we didn't launch um, until 2013, the peculiarities of the site started to dawn, I think, on everybody in that it was an isolated site and to get to it, we were building a one kilometre road across a floodplain to get to it. And so for the general public who were travelling, and this was off... um, one of the bypasses around the south of Ashford. And so the public wouldn't have been necessarily that aware of the site. And we wanted to bring the public's attention to it because all they would see would be a road junction. They wouldn't see the housing development because it was a kilometre away. And um, we were looking at ways of doing that. And one of the ways I I thought was perhaps um, looking through internet and all sorts of things was how about let's let's do something about with public art now luckily at the time there were board members art crest who were very supportive of public art and they had done it on previous schemes i think further west towards bristol and they'd done some quite major public art and i went down there and visited it and had a look round and it immediately struck me that this was going to be a good way of drawing attention to the site. And I received, it was really great because I received support from the board and, and a substantial budget. But then <laughs> well, I had no idea, I had no idea how to go about <laughs> acquiring this, this, this public yeah. art. 
So I made, uh, I got a connection through one of the board members to the design council and I approached okay. the design council and they put me in touch with um, someone who worked for them who was also a public art consultant and he helped set up, um, uh, set this up and help me draw up a scope for the work and uh, set up a competition. And uh, I learned a lot through that process. And I think it is a strange world because the art world and the development world, you wouldn't have thought are immediately well connected. Development people tend to be, you know... Um, don't want to stereotype too much, but they're, they're sort of fairly cold, hard businessmen who uh, are worried about the numbers. And you wouldn't have thought that they would have any... Uh, I and, and we didn't really have much of an idea about the art world. I myself, though, I've got quite um, an interest in art. I've, I, lo I love art. I like to scribble a bit myself. And... Um, I've always had a fascination with that side of things. And, and certainly in my job in development, I've always been interested in the design aspect and interested in working for companies who don't want to just build boxes. They want to build something a bit more extraordinary and individual for, for the sites. And I've, through my work over the last 20 odd years, I've learned that um, you know, a landscape-led development is usually a more successful one. And part of that really starts to overlap into public art. It's quite refreshing to hear that from you, actually, Mark, because as you say, you know, we do a lot of work with big build, you know, housing developers, and you're right that it, it, there is those two sectors coming together do clash, but when mm -hmm. they work well... They're incredible and they work really well. I'm really interested. So you're talking about the Finbury development in Ashford, aren't you? Yeah. Which, um, so for our listeners can go and have a look. It's called, <laughs> and there's um, artists there that have been working on it with you. Yes. I'm really interested to know how you got on working directly with an artist. How did you find that? Well, my approach to working with artists is that, um, and in this case, it was very much, it had to be a very large statement gateway piece. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we had two gateways. You had one gateway, which was the connection of the development to the, to the main road, the bypass. And then, you know, the, uh, the customers, uh, residents, whatever you want to call them, would travel along this one-kilometre road and then there we would have another piece um, slightly less, uh, less in terms of scale but signalling that you're entering into what was effectively a new village. Mm. And so, uh, as I say, I had some help in sort of scope but I had very little idea of... of exactly what I wanted it needed to obviously be some sort of signpost signal mm -hmm. for people to to know where the location of the site was um, but my approach of working with artists is whilst you've got to get I guess what you need across and what the commercial business needs across I like to leave the artists to develop their own ideas. I'm not trying to influence them particularly. There is a uh, an aim and I, you know, I would stress to them there's an aim, this is what we're trying to achieve. How they go about achieving it, I'd rather leave 
leave to them. They're the artists after all. This is what I'm, I'm paying for is their um, imagination um, and their experience in, in, in doing how to do this. Um, it's not for me to tell them what to do. If you wanted to do that, there are plenty of places where you could buy, I guess, more or less off-the-shelf things mm-hmm. to put, put on your sites, but I don't think that that is the right approach. And it's interesting when you do that and you go out then to a competition, the the variety of different approaches to the same aim is is quite enlightening and um, thought-provoking. And after all, that's what I think that public art should be about, should be thought-provoking. Yeah, we would agree. And I think, you know, what you had with Cress Nicholson there was was kind of the ideal setup in a way. You've got the backing of your board, which, mm-hmm. you know, that on many occasions we might get to a point and then it has to go to a board. We won't know that board. It'd be completely mm-hmm. anonymous to us. And, and as you know, the artist really is the... Um, kind of is the key person in all of this because because they're, they're, if they can talk directly to the people that are making the decisions, then, then they will understand fully where the proposal's coming from. But often that does get diluted through a chain, um, you know, because it will be the artist, it'll be us, it'll be us working with someone like you, Mark, and then it'll be your senior management and then there might be a board. Um, you, you know, we're going through a, a chain of people. I think the key to it is... The decision makers on 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 the public art piece that goes that goes out, um, it doesn't want to be too wide. I don't think anything designed by a committee is necessarily um, successful, and um, then people have got to be brave enough to let decisions be made. And I was really fortunate that the. The support that I had from the board at Crest at the time was that go away and, and, and make it happen, more or less. And um, I think that they understood, because they'd done it before on other sides, that um, more interference from them would, would not be helpful. And provided that I was working within certain parameters on, on budget, timing and other things, other practical aspects, which we all have to take into account, like maintenance, how it's going to be installed, etc., etc. Provided that was done, I was given a free arm. And I think that in this commissioning of public art, I think there needs to be a core group of people who are decision makers. But I think that if it goes too wide, um, the artist's creative instincts will be diluted and the outcome would would be very different quite Mm. often as well with the projects that we work on mark we are the constant the artist and ourselves are the constant and people do come and go within the teams they get moved on to bigger developments or they work on other things Mm -hmm. so it's trying to keep that as well and i agree with you it's having a, a core of commissioners it's like the little like a little panel isn't it that we work together we have an aim the artist is in is within that team as well and knows what's going what what they're doing what the parameters are and we're allowed to get on with the work yes and you're and you're a key link in in this in the conduit are. between i guess 
the the more the, the commercial world in which I mm. operate and the artistic world in which they operate and you've got to have an understanding of both sides of that coin um, and to come up with a a reasonable compromise that's going to deliver the results that you know the the customer the client is looking for and you're right the commercial world does need to be a little does need to be brave as well in some of those decisions because they're making of course they are they're making huge decisions about their development aren't they what their yeah. the land value the spend on that the building of the housing the selling of the housing what they're going to make the profits they're going to make yeah. So and in today's world it, as well, it? I think in today's world where PR is almost becoming, uh, you know, more and more important with the internet, with social media, mm. is you've got to remember the public art aspect is uh, the outward facing uh, image of the development with the company's name over it. Um, and is you know, this is extremely important. It, you know, if things went badly wrong, it could be very damaging. Um, and whilst, you know, public art, I don't think, you know, it's not necessarily going to be liked by everybody. No. Um, there's got to be a quality about it where people can see, uh, see that and, and see the, 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 you know, the, have differing opinions on it. That's fine. But not see that, you know, something of poor quality has been turned out to fulfil a box ticking exercise. Yeah, yeah, we would agree. I think our role is very, um, so our role, we, we kind of see our role as giving the artist space to develop their work without yeah. too much outside influence, but being aware of, you know, constraints, obviously, um, and opportunities. And for the for the client, for the, for the developer to know that they're going to get something of quality and mm -hmm. that they can trust the process. Um, and, you know, there might be a few little ups and downs throughout that process, but we're, it's, it's a journey. <laughs> and we're here to sort of support both the artist and the client deliver that, I think, is certainly where we see ourselves anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, the, the trouble is, is the development role is, is uh, like your role, is within companies is generally... Uh, an all-encompassing role in that you are a conduit for the different parts of the business, be them sales, construction, um, everything flows through the development officer or development manager at the time. And you've got to manage all that. That's mm. part of the role. And, uh, you know, for example, at Ashmere with Countryside, we went ahead and I think uh, I managed to... I managed to get, you know, a relatively focused group of people making decisions on it with your guidance. Absolutely. As soon as those decisions were made and sort of ideas, the ideas were, I guess, um, disseminated to the wider group in the company, you know, I did get, um, I did get people from different groups, sales and people going, oh, I don't like that. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, what are you doing? Um, you know, I think sales see, for example, salespeople will obviously see art as, you know, another uh, tool to their, their, their enabling them to sell and market their site and the properties on the site. 
Mm. Um, whilst it can be that, that's not a primary reason for it to be there. The, no. the reason for it to be there is to create a sense of place, um, I guess some sort of anchor for a community um, and getting people to... We're creating new places, these are new, these are new settlements, giving it an identity. It's quite interesting when you say sales, the sales people and sales, you know, the marketing team, because sometimes the sales team comes in and looks at the work as, as sometimes as the final decision. That's happened to us before. And it's like, hang on a minute. We don't know who you are. We've never met you. The artist doesn't know who you are. So that's quite a difficult situation to be in. And, you know, luckily, and obviously the work that we do and the way that we work, we kind of bring the artist in, they meet the sales team, and then the sales team get and understand where we've come from but Mm. that is quite a difficult conversation sometimes as you mentioned because you know marketing is is very valuable and it and it works in both ways in 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 the way that it kind of promotes the artist and the work that they're doing but it also promotes the development and the public art but it it can be quite a fine line when we're working with marketing teams actually yeah it does come in I yeah, think I mean, one of the chal- yeah one of the big challenges for us is sometimes for for the value of uh, mm-hmm. the public art to be recognised because often we work with artists and you'll know this Mark that the energy and commitment that artists put into developing their proposals is you know there's such a commitment there there's so much research and that there's so much of their creative energy that they 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 don't just sit there and think oh yeah that'll do. You know, there's a process, however they work, whether that is contextual research, whether they kind of go and talk to people or do engagement activity, it's huge. So, so, you know, sometimes the challenge is to use that collateral, all that material to help. And I think sometimes that's missed, actually, to use that to to help promote the site as well, because this is meaningful placemaking. This isn't just saying we're doing placemaking. This is... This is genuine, you know, this is artists connecting with place and people and and trying to sort of bring those links into the development so that there is there is that meaning there as well. So, I mean, that's kind of one of our bugbears. (laughs) I I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, uh, I become I become as absorbed in it, I guess, as as the artist and I think it's really important that someone they feel that someone on the client side is is um on board with this and is is really uh you know picking up picking up grasping the 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 idea behind it all and is is promoting it on their behalf um because as I say you know within within the industry you know there are people with I guess more they they're going to have a more commercial view on on it, and um, they look at things in a very sort of cold uh, fashion. I guess um, art isn't like that; it's blurring at the edges. Um, public art, um, as I said before, I think does overlap to a certain extent with identity um, into marketing to a degree. Um, into the whole shape of the development you know landscaping is can be formed around it and therefore that informs the development in a wider context um the place making as we say is very important for getting an identity for a new settlement 
that identity can travel far and wide in that it becomes, uh, you know, recognised as part of the company's identity. I mean, people might recognise the piece of public art at Fimbri on the road is quite a striking piece, and I'm sure um, it engenders quite strong opinions, and people will associate that with with the company who put it there, Chris Nicholson. So there is a, a, you know, a these, there is wide reverberations about what you do around public art and um, the artist, I feel, needs to feel supported. Um, as I say, you've got to be brave and make bold decisions, um, uh, you know, making a bland decision through a wide committee of, of people with different views and different differing aims will not produce... Um, in my view, successful public art. We've all seen, um, you know, glass, uh, steel spheres with water pouring over them outside, <laughs> yes, um, business parks and things. <laughs> Does anybody remember it? Is it, rec- is, it, is it memorable? Is it provoking any sort of reaction? No, it isn't. And, mm. you know, public art has, has got a bigger role to play than that. I think also our role as public art consultants is to be brave as well, actually, when we're working with our clients and, and you know, pushing back a bit maybe and saying, actually, no, it's not going to be a sphere with water coming out of it <laughs> or, you know, it's not going to be something you could get from the catalogue. Yep. It's something that's new and innovative and right for the, for the development and bespoke and all those Lovely words. Well, it's not just the piece, I think. You've also got to guide us on the uh, getting the right artist for the client. Mm-hmm. And, and I yeah. think the artists yeah. have got to be uh, understanding of the world where the commissioning people are coming from as well. Yeah. Um, and see it from, from, from a different standpoint and not be overly precious about their concept and yeah. be willing to adapt their concept for good practical reasoning and commercial reasoning I and think those sort of artists yeah. will be successful working with you yeah because I think that's about collaboration isn't it that's about yeah. working together working with your design teams in workshops or with the client to make sure that the work is fit for purpose and is the right piece of work for that for that development. Yeah, all, all successful developments are all about collaboration anyway and working in yeah. the development world it is about drawing together, you know, a complex group of experts, consultants to produce what is ultimately, you know, quite a complex thing, you know, a new development has got so many different elements and it's getting everybody to work together. And the successful developments are where that happens and it, it starts to sing. I think also when you've got the, your lovely piece of public art in and everyone's happy and we launch it, we go, ta-da! It's yes. also about sort of looking after it, isn't it, afterwards and maintaining it and yeah. keeping it, you know, in its rightful... Well, how it was when it was put in, really. That's quite yeah. important too, isn't I mean, it? what a developer's looking for is obviously... Uh, low maintenance costs because mm. these are going to be ultimately be passed on to the residents may, may make the properties less marketable 
Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about the um, about the, the the flying geese at Ashford. In that, obviously, yeah, spent months and months working with Bruce on that, and um, I never went to the factory to see it. I he sent me pictures, but I wanted to, as I say, I wanted to sort of leave him alone this and let artist, him get on with it. it. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted that to dar reveal moment myself yeah. and. Uh, I left him and the site team to organise the installation and uh, I then went down to site and we'd carefully chosen the location mm-hmm. uh, and I went down to site and I realised that um, I hadn't cut the tr- had the trees cut back enough so the ta moment <laughs> was a bit of a damp squib because <laughs> there were loads of trees obscuring the view and I very quickly, before the great and the good of... Cress Nicholson tumbled down to site. I quickly had to employ a, a tree surgeon to to uh, cut them down <laughs> so we could actually see it. You know, this uh, quarter of a million pound piece yeah, was uh, yeah. at, uh, hidden behind trees. But it would have been a major, a major problem. They are quite iconic down there, I would say, Mark. I went, I drove past there recently myself. Um, you know, you do still look to the left and see the geese. The trees are growing up around them, I might add. Um, um, but but for the listeners, it's Bruce Williams is the artist, isn't he? He's a Brighton-based yeah. artist. Yeah, and you've got to Very remember, yeah. it's been there now nearly 10 years. So Yeah, uh, yeah it's incredible, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 what I love about it is... Is totally unexpected. Um, it is. You drive, yeah. you know, over a crest of, of of a hill to get there, and all of a sudden you see these geese, and I'm sure people think, "What the hell are they doing there? What's that all about?" And that's you know, in a way, that's 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 the reaction you want, isn't it? It's yeah. memorable. Um, yeah. I'm sure people there direct visitors to the site by saying, you know, turn left at the geese. Yeah, I and think that was the idea, to, yeah. you know, it was a signpost. That's what it was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked a little about some of our um, little bugbears that we have. Do you have any uh, surrounding commissioning public art at all, Mark? Um, well, you've got to, I think you've got to limit, as I said before, it's a, it's a careful balancing act to trying to be trusted to, to, to let people get on with things and not have too much interference. And I think if you, you, you get too many opinions around a table, as I say, you'll end up with a, a poor outcome. And I think it's trying to um, get some people who perhaps are not from or haven't got that, that same point of view, not from that world, very commercial, hard-nosed people to um, to let go and yeah. let it happen. And I think that's the key, you know, it's about control, isn't it? You've got to let the, let the artist have his or hers, uh, you know, own mind and let them, let them run with it. And I think uh, that's the really tricky part, um... It's trying to. It's almost trying to keep people out of it, uh, more than trying to. You know, there's a lot of things we do which you want to get involvement of a wide variety of people, but I think diluting art by doing that is um, a really negative thing. And it's it's whilst you're trying to keep them, you know, they're they're commissioning large amounts of 
money on these things is it was you want to keep them informed about it you don't want them uh starting to have huge amount of influence you want to let the artists have their have their moment and let them develop it in in a certain way and you've just got to uh convince people that they can be trusted and that certain aspects which we are wanting to control program budget as you said future maintenance practicality uh those things we can control and we'll keep a keep a leash on but letting the the creative part of it let the artists do that that's 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 why you're commissioning an artist um so i you know they're the things i think my bugbears as i said before is is things that just are unimaginative people buy off the shelf box ticking exercise i think that public art can be a huge benefit to a development it brings the wider public if you're dropping a whole new settlement into an established area you can get the people in the established area involved in the process they then feel you know to some degree of attachment to the new development rather than a them and us view uh, you know i think there's so many benefits that that perhaps are not immediately seen in the bottom line of all these commercial companies looking at their profit but i can assure you there are hidden advantages which will increase values and make the development more successful so you you're talking then about yeah the the value of public art so we're going into we are in a bit of a economic crisis at the moment yeah <laughs> a little bit uh, yeah. inflation's rising you know you talk about the benefits of a development you know public art yes you know how going forward how do you see the role well, of it's going to be far far more difficult to get these things yes. commissioned i think for you because it's um it's demonstrating i mean people get far more focused on the on the on the numbers through these times obviously yeah um mm. and being able to demonstrate that tangible financial gain mm-hmm. from it is extremely difficult to do. I'm sure there are yes. people around who are able to somehow measure it, but I think that's that's seriously the challenge. I mean, in, in every aspect of what we do, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, uh, for example, green technology, and, and I think a lot of developers and house builders are, are quite on board with bringing that into play and want to actually do more than the regulatory requirements. However, you can do that in a, in a buoyant market. When the market is becoming constrained by rising costs, lowering values, people start to pull back from what they see as luxury extras, and you start mm-hmm. to strip back some of these things. And... For sure, public art will be uh, on that hit list with certain developers who will say it's a luxury we cannot afford. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of where planning comes back in again, though, isn't it? Mark? Yeah, because they will, they will, they force the arm, if you like, and make make yeah. it happen. But that doesn't necessarily mean to say that the outcome will be a good one because developers will still be keeping an eye on costs and maybe more inclined to go down an easier route 
to producing and ticking the box for public art with planning than uh, taking this braver route which we were talking about of you know really letting artists um, be creative and letting people like you guys manage it yeah interesting times I think and it's interesting you find yourself you're back in in a sort of planning role as well or certainly well I'm not in the planning I'm still in a development role but I've now gone back to working with uh, it's like going back to my roots of working in local authority I think uh, I've taken a view of I wanted to do something a little different I didn't want to just go into another you know commercial house builder um, who perhaps is at the whim of shareholders and the city and 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 that sort of thing and I felt that public sector housing for example is a, is a really important need and I could bring some of my commercial experience and skills to the public sector to improve efficiency and 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 get more of these houses built and you know get people off housing lists uh, on off the streets and and into housing I mean I think public buildings and public areas of regeneration we're looking to regenerate Gravesend as a town we're seeking you know the government leveling up funding and things like this part of that is about um, re-providing a sense of place I think a lot of town centres for example are becoming soulless uh, shells as retailers are pulling out mm-hmm. and it's how to reinvent the town centre I think and reclaim it perhaps for more for the public space rather than the commercial space and part of that will be developing imaginative landscaping and, and public art ideas and get people to take uh, retake them and have civic pride in, in their places so well, I do think it's a big job for you then Mark isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, we're looking to build a whole new civic area, new civic centre, new theatre, and no yeah. doubt part of that will involve, you know, a public square piazza and, yeah. you know, public parks and things like this. And, and, and art is a really important part of it. I mean, Graves, Gravesend has got some interesting pieces of public art. I think probably everybody knows about sort of the Pocahontas statue and things like this. Yeah. But... Over the years, those have been sort of moved out of the main focus for the public onto the fringes of the town centres. You know, the commercial shopping centre became a big thing and they're, they're difficult to find. Some of these pieces of beautiful pieces of public art in town centres are now really, as I say, on the fringes. You have to go and look for them and we need to put them back front and centre as part of the place-making experience of a town. Yeah. Well, in fact, we, identity. we did commission a piece ourselves, which is, is as you say, on the, on fringe, the fringe a little. Mm. It's um, uh, close to the river um, outside um, LV21, which is the red light ship that's um, based there. Um, and it's a Puji, a bronze of um, RAF pilot, Sikh pilot. Yes. And... Um, we know quite close to it, there's been a second um, 
commission, which is the Queen in her full regalia. But certainly the, the Puji statue, which was commissioned by Gravesham, but also the Sikh community, has a huge um, following. You know, the amount of people that go to that on a, yeah. on a daily basis, actually, sort of like mm. a, uh, to pay their respects is... I've been there on several occasions where that happens, but you're right, it's on the fringe. It's on the fringe. Um, yeah, I think that's because, uh, you know, through the, through the late 20th century, certainly, I mean, a lot of town centres were were changed quite radically and these sort of shopping centres were dropped into them. I mm. think now as the, as the retail business shrinks and I think we're seeing more of a, a reclaiming back of town centres, we're putting residential back into town centres, mm. whereas it was cleared mm. out before. We're putting mm. restaurants, theatres, these sort of mm. things are going back in to try and get a 24-hour economy in them and to get life back into these town centres. You know, I, I think that a lot of these elements which have been pushed to the, to the fringes, and includes public art, can be brought back in and give the town centre um, an identity. I mean, you can walk into many town centres all over the country and you wouldn't know exactly where you were. There's Maidstone's the same. Yeah, there, 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 there's no identity them. It's, it's just a place. I mean, one near me, for example, in Kingston, you know, there's a fabulous piece of public art, I don't know whether you know it, with a load of telephone boxes that are falling like dominoes and uh, I'm sure at one point that was that was uh, that was really part of the town the core of the town and over the years as the town has developed and built the Bentall Centre and the shopping the the centre of the town has actually shifted to a different Mm. place Mm. and it's now you know in a street which I suspect not many people know it's there and walk past it Mm. and I think that's happened across the country and um, these town centres need to get vibrancy, life back into them and an identity and, and get that civic pride back into them rather than just being, you know, a commercially driven identity. Yeah, watch this space, then we will keep our eyes, ears open for Gravesham then. Um, well, we hope to do that and, as I say, we yeah. hope to reconnect. I think the town needs to be reconnected with the river. Yeah. I think uh, as as things changed and industry along the river and and the use of ferries along the river reduced post-war, the town has sort of turned its back on the river and it's no longer an asset and it, uh, that it could be and it needs to be now brought back into the town and be a, a true asset for, the, for, for Gravesend. Mm, wonderful. You've touched a little bit at the beginning of this podcast. You mentioned that you're... You like to do a little bit of art yourself, Mark. Yep, yep. So what kind of things do you like doing? Um, painting, pictures, uh, landscapes. I quite often when I'm on holiday, I'll take a sketchbook and I'm, I'll sit and mm. whilst everybody's sat on the beach, I'll sit and sketch away. I don't have a great deal of time for it. I'd like to have more time. I'm very interested in in looking at art, going to gallery exhibitions and things like this. Um, and I hope one day when I, I hang up this, this work life, uh, 
to uh, spend a lot more time doing it. Um, I've always been interested in art. I did O level, A level art. Um, I think it's a really important part of the colour of life. I think without it, it's a very dull place. Yeah, and I, I think you've been a you've been a great advocate for a yeah. public art and and for the work that we do. Uh, yeah, certainly on the work that we were doing um, in Ashmere. So um, yeah, and we need more people like you. Actually, we do. In development. We well, I sometimes think. I mean, I, I unfortunately I'm, I'm no longer working on that Ashmere job, but I. I I, f- I hate know. to think if I if I hadn't <laughs> if I hadn't been working on it and initiated that, I don't think it would ever have happened. We agree. Yeah, we agree. And I look yeah. forward to seeing what what comes out of it with great yeah. interest. Yes, watch this space. Watch. I this think space. it's quite a challenging site, mainly because it's on an entrance on a big roundabout. There's a yeah, lot of street clutter, so to speak, around there around is that. A bit, yes. And getting something which can really stand out and be prominent is the big biggest challenge there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. thank you so much, Mark. Thank it's you. It's been Mark. a great, been great lovely. conversation. It's been really great. Yeah. Good. Thank, thank you. you. Engaged, creative, curious, courageous and valued, Francis Knight is an award-winning independent public art consultancy based in South East England with over 16 years experience offering expert advice and management in commissioning high quality art for the public realm. As co-founders and directors of the business, Louise Francis and Laura Knight commissioned professional artists from across the UK to create ambitious public realm artworks in a variety of locations. The consultancy partners closely with housing developers, design teams, social housing associations and local authorities, together with a wide range of community groups to create brave, ambitious, thought-provoking art for public spaces. Over this series of podcasts, we will be looking at different ways that developers can engage with artists as part of a design team and how, if it's done right, these working relationships can lead to meaningful, lasting and joyous contributions to our townscapes and landscapes. In our next episode, we talk to artist Kerry Lemon about escaping being pigeonholed as an illustrator and getting into public art, being a one-woman B Corp, mentoring and supporting women to do what she does, leaving a societal and environmental legacy. Plus being open, honest and sharing why she can't believe her own luck and tap dancing. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe to our podcasts. It helps us spread the word on demystifying public art.